Welcome to Riot Underground. You found the place where instigators are changing the world with disruptive technology. I'm Sarah Glova, and in today's podcast, From ACC to Startup MVP, Jamel Eugene joins us to tell the story of how he journeyed from playing college football to starting and growing his own company. We'll talk startup innovation and the origin of his company, Grippers. To kick us off, Jamel, welcome to the underground, and I'll ask you our traditional first question so our listeners can get a picture for who we're speaking with in the episode. Who would you pick to play you in a movie about you? Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I have to say, if you could imagine Jamie Foxx and uh, Martin Lawrence having a kid, maybe <laughs> that I might be an offspring of that. Love it. Yeah. Jamie Lawrence. Jamie Lawrence, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> not as funny as Martin and not as talented um, artistically as Jamie, so lower your expectations when you hear it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, that's good. So that gives us a visual. And we're hoping to talk to you today about some innovations that you've been involved in, um, okay. but want to get the, the full story. So something I've been dying to ask you is, I'm a huge Wolfpack fan. That's where okay. I, I went to school. And so I know your story and how you went from being a player to developing something for athletes. So right. can you tell us that story? Oh, man. It depends on how far you want to date back. Back in 1860 <laughs> B.C. Um, <laughs> no, but... Uh, the, the real story, it all really started back in, I would say, in my sophomore year in high school. And this is kind of the timeline to leading up to the events that would lead to Grippers. But essentially, it was um, I was playing football at the time. We had these these gloves. I think they're like Russell gloves. And they had like a some type of leather-ish type of material on the, uh, the volar side of the hand so you could catch balls. It was really just more so for impact resistance and um, to increase the, the, the friction so that you could actually catch the ball better. And where was this? Where did you play high school? Uh, Naples High School in um, Naples, Florida. So Golden, Golden Eagles. And so the, our, one of our coaches, wide receiver coach Duran, tried these out. These are new gloves. Let's give them a shot. And they were all white. I remember they had like some kind of black on the backside. And then the tack on the, the force on the volar side was gray. And we wore them. I was like, holy smokes, like this is, is this legal? <laughs> like, these things, are catch, you catch everything with these. I already had good hands as a, you know, giving me an unfair advantage at this point. And so um, ended up being that we ended up adopting those gloves and then and we ended up ordering them and, and having pretty much wearing those forever. And so that became the standard. And you just wore gloves that had that type of tack on them. And so um, I ended up going fast forward a little bit. I go to, to NC State. And I had humble beginnings, I'll say, growing up in my childhood. We weren't poor, we weren't rich, but, you know, just making, we're making things do and making things work. And there's a bunch of us. And so uh, I get to NC State and it's like, what do you want? It's like anything you could imagine from a football player's perspective. Just like equipment wise, like yeah, anything, anything you want. You want. Yeah. Just, if you could dream it and you probably <laughs> haven't dreamed it, it's already here. So just select what you want. Wow. And so um, I'm like, oh, give me that and that and that. <laughs> I'll and take that. one of these. Yeah, I'll, I'll take, take one of these. Right? <laughs> and so every game I'm wearing, you know, a new. every week we get a new pair of gloves. This is, no, you know, I don't, we don't get gloves every week. We wear yeah. like one pair of gloves for a year and then kind of merge into the next season right. before you get a new glove. And so we're getting new gloves every week. And so I'm in camp and I remember in one week's time I fumbled the ball like, three times uh -oh. i was like holy smokes and so like this is the death of yeah. a running back right. like, you don't fumble the ball uh -uh. and i ended up realizing like yo I, like i went home it's almost like that um what was that movie little giants where the kids looking at their hands <laughs> yeah. and they're like come on like trying to catch you know putting the tackle and all that stuff trying to figure yeah. out why i can't catch it was like why can't i hold on to the ball yeah like i've never and to put it in perspective i've never had three fumbles in one football season 
So to do it within in like you week. know a week, ten days time, yeah. that was just crazy. So I'm realizing what what is it? You know, what's the real real issue? And what it is is going back to my point in the beginning. Like I had everything you could have on. I look. I felt like if you look good, you play good. You play good. You make big plays. And so. I had on wristbands, uh, elbow sleeves, arm sleeves, mm. like, just everything. Wrist tape, all that equipment gloves, that they offered, that. you put all of it put on. It, on. it yeah. looked good. I'm it sure. Looked, I, look, I put it together very well, but <laughs> it was a lot of stuff, you know. And so, um, and at the end of the day, at my position, it really at, in football in general, you need to have a tangible feel of the object you grasp. You know, it's not just the fact that there's something, there's some performance enhancing mechanism that allows you to hold yeah. on to or grasp an object. You actually have to have that tangible feel so you can make the true connection between your mind and the object you're grasping. And with and so, all that stuff on that you were so excited to have access yeah, to, which uh, completely makes sense, it was actually separating you from right. kind of the whole point exactly. of the game, right, right. really. It's like it's I overcomplicated it all, right? So yeah. I was like, I, I, I really like did a, a, an assessment and I was like, what is it? Like, what's, what do I need? What do I want? Wants and what can I get away with? Because if I can get away with, it, I'm just gonna wear it. Yeah. So, right. So um, it came down to like, okay, at the end of the day, you don't need the gloves. I'm like, you know, obviously it's a great nice to have. Yeah. It's an extra security blanket, but you have hands that are well enough, you know. And even in practice, most of the time, I would at some period or during some weeks, I would just wouldn't play with the, I wouldn't mm-hmm. practice with gloves on because I need to get my hands better. You got to be able to catch. And so that's where it all kind of sprung from. But I knew at the conclusion of that season, when I had a full season to kind of get myself prepped, I would get rid of them. And I did that. And that kind of led into me going to uh, me asking one of my my linemen, hey, why do you wear tape? He was like, I got to protect my fingers. You know, like there's I can get a blisters or sometimes, you know, tape can help be an extra layer of protection or padding in a sense. Is that I just need and as he put it around his uh, his knuckles. He's like, I just need some extra level of protection. Uh, for my fingers, so I wear these under my gloves. And I was like, oh, that's a novel idea. So I put my spin on it, wore, started wearing tape, and that just from my red shirt sophomore year on, I just wore tape and got rid of gloves. So no more gloves, just using the tape. Right. And then I think if I know your story well enough, at some point here we're going to get to you drawing something on a napkin. <laughs> that's the next phase <laughs> to the whole idea. So yeah. uh, conclusion of my college career, I'm on an airplane. I'm heading to a workout in California, and um, I had been training. I had been so I had a series of injuries towards the end of my career that ultimately be my downfall, which is another thing that'll come into play um, towards the end. All I'm doing is trying to make sure that my hamstring is okay and I'm good to go for this workout. I'm on the plane and it dawns on me. You've been training, you've been working out, you've been making sure that your hamstrings well, but you haven't been catching balls. Like you haven't, you haven't had any. You're work so with the worried about right. just your body and your health that right. not thinking about that. Not thinking about skill the skills, that you're bringing. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So when I land, what do we? Because like I'm gonna have time to land. I'm gonna have time to be able to get to where I need to go. Check into the hotel, and then the next morning is the workout. And so I'm like, oh, what do I do? Do I go and buy a pair of gloves, or do I go what I know is the true solution? You know, and stick with my guns and get some tape. And so I, I'm just sitting there pondering. It's like, it's a big decision, right? It's a five-hour flight, though, so I, I got time. <laughs> so um, I'm like, okay, you know what? We got to stay true to who we are. We, we went away from gloves for a reason. Let's stick with um, what we do. I'd rather drop yeah. a pass than fumble a ball uh-huh. in, this, in this workout. The value is greater. So I ended up um, deciding on getting the tape. And I land, go get the tape, have a workout, get a great workout. And everything worked out for me. Uh, but when I was on the flight... It, after I made that decision, I realized, hold on, there's got it. There's no way there's not a, like a middle, a middle ground. There's something here. I, oh, so I ended up having to buy for the, pay for the Wi-Fi, 
and I'm, I'm up. I'm looking it up for like maybe look it up minutes to an for the hour, thing between trying to find something in between. Right, because mm-hmm. you're doing the pro con list for these right. two, and you're thinking there's got to be something, something in the middle. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a billion dollar market. You know, there's right. there's no way somebody hasn't already right. thought of this. So I'm I'm looking it up, and I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, man, like even if it does, if there is something like, am I really gonna try something new right before? But I'm like, it's got to be worth a shot because it's it's middle ground. Like I've played with gloves, I played with mm-hmm. tape, I played with my bare hands. It's middle ground. It's something that's there, and I just couldn't find anything. And so it was like, I like intrigued that there's nothing, you know. But I'm just sitting back, and then finally, like the light bulb goes off. You know, the dust the dust settles, and I'm like, man, nobody's invented this yet. Maybe this is it. Yeah. And supply the tenant. I was like, hey, I was like, excuse me, do you have a piece of paper? She was like, no, I don't have a paper. I said, well, can you give me a napkin? And so she said, she said sure. So I, <laughs> so I go and I, I I trace my hand and then I just start drawing concepts. And it's like this threefold napkin that I'm putting these different concepts on. And I end up sketching out essentially what ended up being known as uh, vice grippers. I love that story. I love any origin story. But it seems like when we think about entrepreneurs in the way that most of us have seen an entrepreneur in the movies, right? Mm-hmm. That comes from some light bulb moment, napkin moment. Right. Um, so I love that yours actually includes that. Um, I want to go back. So thinking through what you shared about football. So I assume that you played for a long time. When did you start playing? I started playing football. I actually started a little later than some of my peers. Um, I started when I was seven. Okay. So you started, you started playing football when you were seven, you play through high school, you do well enough to get to NC state and play for NC state and I just love this image of you in the equipment room, like a kid in a candy shop who's told <laughs> they can have whatever they want for no charge. Right, right. And what's interesting is that ended up for a short period of time being something that got in your way. And I oh, think yeah. we can think of that as like an analogy for business. So oh, yeah. when when many of us have an idea and are given resources, sometimes it's really easy to focus on those resources. I think being in the entrepreneur space, we've probably both seen the person who is just polishing the heck out of that business plan, but not actually talking to potential customers or mm-hmm. polishing their website, but not talking to actual customers. Right. It can be really easy to get lost in the resources pieces and get disconnected from, at the end of the day, the most important thing, which is just talking to the people who should buy what you're selling what you're creating and for you that there's that analogy of like all these things that you're putting on that ended up taking you away from the ball oh yeah yeah you dropped the ball definitely and i think even in that analogy the the thing that came to mind as you were speaking was how you can raise money or be given that financial asset and be and and that instantly you think it cures all your ailments right you still Mm -hmm. haven't created the products they haven't finalized the business plan you haven't talked to any customers but you have the capital to go you've got the resources and make now things happen you've got new gloves every week spending. if you right. want right right yeah <laughs> and you just start spending and that that's that's a death trap as well you know that we've gone through um a small a, something similar in a sense to where we didn't use our status as a young startup to our advantage mm, what do we you mean kinda, so we would for instance, when a lot of stuff is with supply, supply chain, and so um, product development, we wouldn't utilize the fact that, you know, you can get samples. Now, they actually in the community now, they call me the sample king because I get as many samples as I can. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to milk that until we have to actually pay for it. Yeah. Um, I hope none of our vendors are listening. So, um, <laughs> But 
there was a time when we had capital to be able to just pay for the things as they were. And there's there are certain companies that afford you understanding your situation and where you're trying to go. And, um, you know, you're in an incubation space. And so the incubacy of your company and they'll like allow you to say, hey, we'll send you this sample and you can utilize this for a certain blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, you can try mm-hmm. these different products or these different materials and then let us know what you want. And we'll get in usually especially when it comes to textiles, like you can get a good bulk of mm. material and especially with a product our size, that can go a long way. And there were times where we just paid for things because we needed them or we needed something expedited or we thought we needed expedited. So uh-huh. we would pay for either the extra shipping or the expedited shipping or just the product itself, just trying to get it here because if you pay for it, it's going to come for something they're going to send you for free. Uh-huh. And that kind of gets in the way, you know, you can go through a thousand, you can go through a hundred bucks, you go through thousands of dollars by um, not utilizing the resource or, or the power broke, as, as I think Damon John says in his book. Yeah, Power broke, yeah. yeah. So leveraging that you're a new startup, leveraging that you don't have capital, using that as an asset, asset yeah. that's so interesting because it seems like we talk a lot about the importance of fundraising. Mm-hmm. We're located in the Raleigh area, the Triangle area, which is growing. We're really focused as a community on trying to attract funders. But at the end of the day, your story illustrates that there's some power to not having that and what it forces you to think and brainstorm. It definitely does. And when you're down to your last few resources, you know, if we're talking cash and capital, it forces you to think far more creatively because you don't have the direct access to just get that done when you need it done. You have to go around or spend time on certain objects of the business a little more than you normally would. So um, not having capital at certain stages in your business can actually benefit you. Yeah. yeah. So, so okay, so we talked through our first metaphor from football to business of, <laughs> you know, there's that period of your life where you're working with what you've got, and then there's this period where you entered into this new phase, this new level. You were at NC State. The equipment office was <laughs> open to you, and you ended up realizing that that wasn't helping. It was even hurting. And yeah. so now we're translating that into the kind of resources that you can get as an entrepreneur that you have to be careful. Every asset, there's pros and cons. There's yeah. always a pro and a con. I think for us, um, our story is is really, I was going to say unique, but actually probably a lot more entrepreneurs go through it and you just don't hear these stories than, than don't. We believed in the beginning we were a product company. Right? We were mm-hmm. a product, essentially. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the product had to be right before the rest of the business could come together. Mm. When there are so many aspects to a business that it can't just be one, you know, um, you can always, again, use leveraging the power of being broke. You can always utilize a prototype or max make a sample for someone that you can use to gain a customer early on, whether Mm -hmm. it's through giving them a discount on it or just them liking the concept and say, hey, you know what, actually, if you do fix this, we'll buy that. And whether you get that in writing or in an email, you can even leverage that Mm -hmm. to say, hey, look, if we had this kind of capital, we can finish this to have a customer. And that's our first customer. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many ways of going about it. But if you only focus on making the product right, which when it comes to product, my team tells me I'm pretty much of a perfectionist right it's like don't give it to Jamel till it's ready right it's funny I can laugh at it because I you know I don't I don't take any of those things to heart but they always say I oh, know just send that to me and then when it's ready I will give it to you yeah <laughs> but um, but I see your point of how you could get lost in that you get, because you get lost and in that. that should be your passion you're as an entrepreneur as a startup you're mm-hmm. focused on this product that you literally drew on a napkin and made into a reality so it makes sense that 
it's it's your stamp of approval that matters on that. But what you're talking about here is knowing like in the process of working toward that, I'm hearing you say it's okay to be sharing it and, and to be using it to get other assets. So you mentioned showing off, you know, we hear this a lot that that MVP, yeah. right? We hear that in sports, but now we're talking <laughs> about it in a product way, right? Um, so what does that stand for with product development? It's m- uh, minimum vi- viable product. Yeah. So talking about the minimum viable product and what can we do with that? So it's not ready to sell yet, but can we give it away and say, what would it take for you to buy this and get that in writing and start leveraging those relationships? Right. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. And so um, when it comes to the product side and, and kind of for us, what we thought, you know, is just simply a product company. There's so many more aspects to it. Right. It's always at least three pegs to the business where you have sales, marketing and then whatever you're selling service or product. Mm-hmm. And so for us, understanding that the product isn't quite right. How do we set realistic expectations for when it will be right mm-hmm. um, and when it's right or when we re- plan to release it, if it's the MVP, what you're going to receive at that point. And then, you know, hey, maybe the MVP is just this stage, but you're going to get to here ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so having that customer that's willing to take that ride with you, understanding that it's going to ultimately get to where they want and even having them play a, a role in it. Mm-hmm. That's something that's big too. So if I can share my dream with you and you help me build it, you're far more likely to take that in and then want to share it with somebody mm-hmm. else or, or take it in personally and give me your, your true feedback on it. And so leveraging that as well to help you build product and companies is a good thing. So what I love when, when you're talking about product, you, I get that passion, but I, there's also something unique that, I know with the Riot Accelerator program that Rachel Mullaney works really hard to instill into the startups, which is you can't make your product in isolation. You have Mm -hmm. to be having conversations the whole time with the people who you think are going to buy your product, who you think this product that you're making, that this is some kind of solution to a problem that they have. And it sounds like you consider that those relationships to be a part of the product development process. Definitely. Um, there's always, everybody has its, their own perspective and there's always insight that can be gained from anybody you talk to. No one person is the same as another. So mm-hmm. their insight and their information is always going to be of value if you can take it in that way. And so for us, having a product that we're offering to the public, it makes the most sense for us to be able to have that type of open dialogue with um, our early customers and even ourselves. So one of the things that, that we do is that we make sure that it's right to a degree with us, and then we'll have you validate what our hypotheses are. So, for instance, myself, one of my co-founders, DeJuan Morgan, he played in the NFL. I played football. We both played at NC State. And what we know is, like, we always take off our business hat and our passion for the product. Like, what? Like, I'm wearing this. I'm doing this. Like, what are the things we, we're trying to solve when we're doing it? And then what are the things, like, uh, and my other, one of our other co-founders, Precious Wilson, she always focuses on, like, the customer experience, right? She's on the marketing side and all that. So we'll always all come and collaborate and it'll be like, well, I like this and I'm looking at it from a running back's perspective. And then I look at it from, I mean, all of us play different, you know, sports. So uh-huh. she's look, she presses heavy on basketball. I played basketball and football and baseball and soccer. And then Dewan was mostly football and track. And so we'll always look at it from different angles, from different sports and, um, and just from a humanitarian basis as well. And, there's always something that we see or want to fix. And once we kind of iron those out, then we'll present it, even if it's not finished, just to see if we get the same feedback. Right. So you're athletes. using yourselves as as um, testers, right, right? right? You and the, the other founders, and, yeah. the other executives, you're the testers, but you're not taking that for granted and right. saying, we we played sports at a really high level, so we know. So exactly. we're going to fix it based on what we see. You're then taking that and making sure it matches with other potential customers exactly. outside of your organization. That's exactly. really powerful. And when you get that type of consistent validation, like, Oh yeah, we they say X X X and Y, 
And we're like, yeah, that's exactly what we had on our sheet. Yeah, that's good. We're good to go. So let's keep it going. Your maybe most famous product so far has been the tape that you as a running back wanted, couldn't find, and then created. Yes, yeah, so our, our hero product is our, what we call our Vice Pro. And um, it, it go they go on each individual finger like a sleeve. They increase blood circulation. We add an element of uh, fiber science and advanced material science um, into the pro- each product because we didn't want to offer just a basic material. We feel like it should go beyond materials since 2019. Uh, you know, so <laughs> we feel like it shouldn't just have a basic polyester. You know, we want to add something to that, some type of mm-hmm. um, advanced science to it. So we utilize um, a product that has infrared technology, increases blood circulation and, and speeds recovery, etc. And then we also have the grip on the outside as well as on the inside so it doesn't spin around. And then we have the compression, what we call our protective compression, which is a combination of all that stuff put into one. And you can use it for anything. Sports is our realm, so mm-hmm. we, we want to tackle that first. And then when we go from sports, we can go anywhere. But anywhere where the use of your hands is critical to success is mm-hmm. where you can use our products. We're trying to make products for, for every, the everyday hero, you know, so it's not just athletics, but athletics is a point of focus for us. Grippers is a uh, smart wearable technology brand that focuses on products that both protect and help the athlete perform. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to, we don't feel like you should sacrifice protection for performance. We we focus on areas of the body that are most prone to injuries. And then through the use of biomechanics um, and the human anatomy, we engineer products that help protect and help with performance. So we always have that as our core. We don't want to sacrifice either or. We've been asked are we a protection company or a performance company, and we feel like you shouldn't have to sacrifice protection um, for performance. You've already got eight products. Right. That's such a testament to, I think, the power of getting started, getting the work done, putting yeah. things out there and getting feedback. Yeah, no, it's, it's a true testament to my team and, and the, the, the dedication that they've had to see that, you know, we're, we don't want to limit ourselves and we do need to, you know, kind of limit the risk um, mm-hmm. from some others and then um, maximize our upside. And so when we're in position, when all the stars have aligned, we will be able to come out in a big way, in a major way, and be able to have a huge impact. And at the end of the day, we'll benefit because it's stuff that we love doing and, and customers will be in business, but we're doing it for the end user, right? Going back to the injuries, all these products protect without limiting performance. And so some of these things I wish I had when I was playing. And that's actually the running joke. Jamel, what did you hurt? Okay, we'll target that area. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, they give me that all the time. Every time we have our ideation session when we're coming yeah. up with new products, that's Jamel, okay. What was it? What injury? What, what injury did you have? Yeah. All right. We'll exactly. target that next. <laughs> exactly how it goes. Well, I not only learned a ton about um, entrepreneurship and got some ideas myself for some products I've got going on, but I got to learn more about you and hear your story. And it's, it's such an inspiring one. All right, rioters. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riot Underground with Jamel Eugene, CEO of Grippers. Stay tuned for our next episode with Jamel. We'll talk about the habits that make him a successful innovator and entrepreneur, including his absolutely insane wake up time and his unique phone habits. Don't miss it. Hey, y'all. Caroline Griffin here, dropping in to say thanks for listening. And if you have any questions for Riot, send me a note. You can reach me at caroline at ncriot.org. This Riot Underground podcast is created and produced by Riot Studios with music by Scott Jackson. Riot is a nonprofit focused on economic development through the Internet of Things or IoT. We produce events, conferences, and educational courses around the world. And we run an early stage startup accelerator out of Riot Labs in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
Our nonprofit also operates a wireless test and certification facility under the Wireless Research Center brand. Learn how to engage by visiting us at ncriot.org.